together worshiping God in another amazing, beautiful day out here. I wanted to take just a moment. You uh, may or may not have noticed that you're seeing a little bit more of Renee and I here. And Gio and I have been talking, and you know, it's interesting how uh, when I age, as I've been aging, I find that I just draw a lot of encouragement from younger, fired-up men of God, like Gio is. But we thought that we uh, we might just be a little better together, and uh, so we're uh, teaming up. Uh, we want to be an encouragement to, to Gio and Karen, as they are to us, and the great things that God has in mind for not only the Shoreline Church, uh, but also these great communities that are out here, of which you are all blessed to live in. And the uh, people that are living out here that we know are needing God, many of them looking for and searching for what they may not realize right now is God in their life. And uh, so we're, we're looking forward to, over the, the next weeks and, and months, being able to just uh, be a great team together. And I really do, Gio, just want to thank you for uh, the energy and the zeal that you bring to the work of God, and what a joy that is uh, for me uh, to be with you. Gio has uh, spanned the globe and has come up with another series. This one is entitled Climate Change. And you may have noticed from the intro video that this really doesn't have to do with that highly politically charged concept out there associated with global warming. As important as that might be for us to talk about. And no doubt great spiritual insights we could get from that subject. Actually, this this topic that we're in is, is about relationships. And the Bible has a lot to say about relationships. And we actually talk a lot when we get together as a church about relationships. One time Jesus was asked, what's what's the greatest commandment of all of them? And Jesus really summed it up in two. He said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. Taken all together and then boiled down to its pure essence, Jesus says, really, it is all about relationships. And God has spent a lot of time through the people that He inspired through the ages to give us some great insight and teaching that can help us in our relationships. Because let's face it, in life, when it comes to what we do and places that we go and things that we might dream for in our lives, ultimately it's somehow going to involve people. You can't get away from them as much as we might want to sometimes. Steve cracks me up. He's here and he says, like, you know, the last couple times that he's done the welcome, he's talking about, well, you know, I think I might like to be somewhere else and I'm jealous, but you're always so happy when you say it. So I'm not buying it. I I think you're actually really happy to be here, you know, worshiping God and all that. He's just trying to relate sometimes to the fact that we may or may not be that. But, But the idea here is that we really could use some help ongoing, all the time, yeah. in our relationships. Yeah. And that's, that's this series. But there's a, there's a main idea behind this, and that is that every relationship has a climate. 
there is a, a climate around. You know, you can think of it in terms of temperature, it's ice cold, or it's blazing hot but the boiling point, or it's just kind of ho-hum. Or it's going great, it's very warm and sunny and livable. But every relationship we have, and in our lives, we all have a collection of relationships. At work, and in our families, and in our uh, social life, and activities that we may have with our kids, sports, and whatever, our hobbies, and in here in the church. Wherever we go, we we have collections of relationships that we're in and that surround us. And each one of those relationships has a climate around it. And you just think through. And not all of our relationships maybe are one or the other, but we probably have some that are, that are great. And no doubt there's probably in our life we can think of at least one, maybe one or two, maybe a few more than that, that the climate in that relationship is not very livable. It's not great. And the idea would be, maybe with the help of God and His Word in this series, maybe a climate change could happen and we would benefit from it. And the person in that relationship that we're describing and we're thinking about the climate that surrounds it, that us and the person in that relationship could benefit from this climate change. Now, the climate really dictates the forecast. Think for a moment. If, if you know uh, a marriage, for instance, maybe you have a, a friend and you know the marriage and it's, it's characterized by a really stormy, inhospitable climate. Maybe it's, it's char- the climate is, is really it's, it's about a coldness and a distance and maybe a bitterness. You can forecast where that's going. Yeah. If, if that climate in that relationship doesn't change, you can forecast where that's going. Sometimes we can do this with the climate that surrounds parents and their kids. Even early on, you can see a somewhat troubling climate and you can almost anticipate, even though that child's just little, you can almost anticipate what it's going to be like in the teenage years. There's in for some storms coming down the road there. The, the climate of any relationship we have really is what determines looking ahead into the forecast. And, and here's, here's another key big idea with this series. The forecast, what's going to happen in the future, it remains the same until the climate begins to change. When we're thinking about what characterizes, and think about the climate around your marriage. Think about the climate that you have surrounding your work relationships. Think about the climate in your your small group here. Think about the climate in your extended family or, or people that you associate with. What What would characterize that relationship? What's that climate really like? Because, because there is a climate around it. But then know this, that for the forecast to change, to improve where it might need to be improved, the climate's going to have to change because the climate determines the forecast. What we're going to do is, is we're going to look into the Word of God 
And I encourage you to open up if you want, or you can follow along in the Scripture on the screen, to Genesis chapter 4. We're going all the way back to the first book in the Bible, and really to highlight the fact that God has been talking about relationships since the very beginning. Because there is something in the, the human dynamic in which there have been relationship problems among people since the very beginning. And the particular story that we're reading about here is a, it's a family dynamic. It's a family relationship. In particular, involving two brothers. And these are, these are the first two brothers. It's the first family. And so it started early on. And we'll get a sense of the climate that was around the relationship and, and therefore the forecast that could have been predicted because of the climate that we see happening in that relationship. We're going to start reading in Genesis 4 and verse 2. Let's pause for a moment and pray again before we read God's Word. Father, thank You for this moment in time when we can look into Your Word. and Thank You for every person here and the faith that's been demonstrated in You and the love for You to come and worship You and now to look into Your Word. We pray that You would open up our, our hearts. We pray You'd open up Your Word to us. We pray that You'd work through Your Spirit beyond the human element here right now. Bless this time. Make it count. And may our relationships, our friendships, our families be blessed and, and, and gain a benefit from this time here now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Genesis 4, halfway through verse 2. Now Abel kept the flocks, these two brothers, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time... Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. The situation is these two brothers growing up in this home and each of them migrated and it's it's amazing how this happens in family. Two brothers, the same family and yet they migrated towards different interests. Abel migrates towards the flocks and Cain migrates towards the soil. That's a big difference. But there's even more of a difference. Now, similarly, they both, in the course of time, in the course of their coming to know God and their reaching out to God and worshiping God, as as happens within us, they wanted to bring an offering to God. And so they, two brothers, both brought offerings. And they both brought, similarly, offerings from their particular sphere, from their life, and from what they were pursuing and that they were involved in. And so, because Abel was involved with the the flocks, he brought an offering to God from the flocks. And Cain, because he was involved with uh, the the crops, and he, he brought an offering to God from the soil. Now, one was acceptable, Abel's, and one God, he gave some feedback on. And he said, this is not favorable. 
Now we could think, well, what was it? Was it that God just likes the animals and He didn't like the plants? But actually, we, we know when God gave really involved instructions on offerings, offerings from the, the ground was, was acceptable to Him. But there's two words that indicate something about what may have been going on in the heart. Because that's really what, what God always is more interested in. It's not just what we bring, but the heart with which we bring it. And of, of Abel, it says that he brought fat portions from the firstborn. Fat portions and firstborn are two key words that show up again and again when later on God gives specific instructions on offerings that would be acceptable to Him. The best and the first. And it seems like comparing the two of them, it seems like maybe Cain just kind of brought something. Whereas Abel seemed to have brought the first and the best. And so, as happens in life, in our relationships, in Cain's relationship with God, God gave him some feedback. And he said, this is not favorable. Now, there's a moment in time when that happens with us, in our relationships. We would like for everything we do to be accepted by the people around us, wouldn't we? We would like for everything we do and how we do it to be viewed and experienced as favorable. Now the reality is that not only is there a climate in each of our relationships, but we actually carry a climate with us. We are a climate within us. And there was a, there was a different climate that Abel brought to his relationship with God. And there was a different climate that Cain brought. And God was giving Cain some real-time feedback. And he had the opportunity to be responsive to this. But what he did was, it says that he was very angry. Not just a little upset. And not just angry, but very angry. And his face was downcast. Alright, so we get a little bit of a sense of the climate that's going around this relationship. Let's read on. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, Will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door, and it desires to have you. But you must rule over it. Now you've got to appreciate the Lord here and His interaction with Cain. Because even though Cain's initial offering was not favorable, God didn't want to leave it there. God wanted Cain to be in a different place. And so he's engaging him and he's interacting with him to the end that he would be accepted. And his offering would be acceptable. And that's how God is with us. He doesn't want to just leave us where we're at and just write us off. But he really does want to work with us as he did with Cain in this situation. Yeah, you're here, Cain. But you could get to a different place. There could be a change 
come about in your life. I appreciated Peter describing his, his interacting with God just in his daily life and on his way to work and drawing an insight in the, yeah, this part of me needs to go, this part of me, you know, needs to be brought out. And that there's a real-time, real-life interaction that's, that's going on there. And that's what's happening, what God wants to happen with Cain. Now notice what God does though. He zeroes right in on the emotion. Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? God could have just focused on the offering itself. And why aren't you like Abel? Why aren't you like the other guy? That wasn't the focus at all. Abel doesn't have anything to do with this. God zeroed in on Cain right now. And he zeroes in on the emotion that's going on below the surface. The anger that's there. That's his concern. You know, in any given moment, and and there's a whole whole range of emotions that we could have, but those that think about these things can say there's at least four just basic ones. Mad, glad, sad, and egad. Alright, mad or anger and glad, happy and all those different ones with that. And, and then there's sadness and the different nuances, you know, the D words like depression and discouragement and disillusionment and under the, under the, the sadness. And then EGAD, which is fear and all the different anxiety and things that, that are associated with that. At any given moment, we have emotions that are, that are operative in our life. And God, to address the climate that was going on in Cain's life, wanted to zero in on the underlying, perhaps maybe even to Cain, and and maybe even to to some people around him, but to anybody discerning, pretty obvious underlying emotion that was there. And so God is working with him. And And he... he describes this situation where sin is crouching at his door. What a picture that is. I don't know what kind of a lion or a beast or a, a venomous thing, destructive thing you might think. That's the picture. It's crouching at your door. But what that really was, was in the form of the emotion that was not being dealt with. The anger that's, that's how sin was crouching at Cain's door. Was in this anger that was brewing deep down in his gut. Deep down inside of him. And undealt with. Unobserved. Unnoticed. Unrealized. That would overtake him. And there's no good forecast in a life that has that happening. So it's crouching at his door, and God is, is saying, let me, let me just give you some feedback here. You've got a lot of anger in your life, and you need to deal with that. You need to bring that up, you need to see it for what it is, and you need to deal with it. Because if you don't, it, it's going to deal with you. And, and, and the point we, we want to draw here is to be aware of our emotions. 
but don't become uh-huh. our emotions. And if you look at a relationship in your life, and it could be at work, it could be somewhere else, it could be more personal, even within your own home, where there's a, there's a bad climate. What has happened is, is what once was an emotion that had we just become aware of it sooner, it could have, it could have been dealt with and we could be ruling over it like yeah. God is calling Cain to do. Yeah. But now, it's, it's gained the upper hand. It's gained control. And now we've become that emotion. Yeah. So when the climate that we bring and the climate that is us in that relationship, it's that poisonous emotion. Anger, fear, whatever it might be. Yeah. And again, we're not saying that this just permeates all of our relationships. But we're, we're, we're asking... Maybe, maybe if we look in our life, there might be one or two. And as we prioritize our relationships, because, you know, we, we have relationships with a lot of different people, all right? I mean, I have a relationship with Kobe Bryant, and then he's on the Lakers, and I watch the Lakers play basketball. But that's not a priority relationship for me, okay? I don't probably need to set aside time working on my relationship with Kobe Bryant. But there are other relationships that are, that are really... More important to us. And we're saying among those relationships that are worth fighting for. Among those relationships that are, that are worth looking for a change in. Is there a problem because there's, there's an emotion that has now taken over. And, and we've, we've become the emotion rather than just being aware of it. And therefore being able to deal with it. So, so God is... is, is Calling attention to that, we read on. And we see Cain's response to this. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. There we go. Let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. The climate determines the forecast. And the forecast the forecast was not good in Cain's relationship with his brother. But God tried to engage him. God sought to draw him out. God zeroed in on the root issue right then and there. There was this anger that was going on in him. And it's like Cain just totally refused to go there. He would not be led out of it. He would not step back and look at how destructive this was. It's almost like he just turns away from God and he turns right to his brother and launches this plan. Let's go out into the field. And there he kills his brother. Now we're not saying that any of us here are on the edge of doing that. This, just so I make that clear. We're not bringing this passage out because we think you're you know, in danger of that. But, but rather that, that, that our relationships can be destroyed. And they can be irreparably damaged. And they can be injured 
with wounds that can take a long time to heal yeah, yeah. if we don't pay attention. And that's, right. that's the value. And sometimes it's also just encouraging when you read extreme examples, you can draw hope and say, well, I'm not there yet. You know, Amen. We're not there. It's rough, but it's not that bad. So maybe there's reason to hope and maybe there's reason to try again in this relationship. But, but the reality is that he killed his brother and then God enters back on the scene. And the interaction is powerful. What have you done? And then he says, listen. That's what he was trying to get Cain to do all along the way. And God seeks to do that with us. When he asks the question, where's your brother? What am I? Am I my brother's keeper? One of the most famous quotes through history. What, am I my brother's keeper? He tried to dismiss it. But there was a relationship going on there that God had wanted to transform. And He wants to do that with us. And so to us comes the question to listen. This is the introduction to this series. But there's a a need for us to listen. And, And here's the question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Listen. Because we know what it was like for Abel. His blood was crying out of the ground. It was rough to be on the other side of Cain in a relationship. All that anger, all that stuff going on and not willing to look at it and not willing to deal with it. And it's like Cain was oblivious. Not even God Almighty could get him in touch with it. And how much other feedback maybe had his parents and others along the way tried to tune him in. But he wouldn't listen. And so God's call is poignant for us to listen. And what might be crying out from the people in our life? It's going to be at sometimes the most important points that we're really going to be deaf to it. We're going to be blind to it. We're not going to be tuning in. And we we know the climate is bad, but we don't necessarily know why. We don't know what the root cause of it is. And it may be because we're carrying the climate with us, we just don't realize what we bring. What's it like to be on the other side of me. You know, it's amazing, but, but Gio's worked hard this week, and we've got a room reserved, and we've got a bank of computers. And what we're going to ask you to do is, after we break here today, is go in and just give us ten emails from friends of yours that we could send to, we've got a whole forum set up for them to give feedback yep. on you. And what it's like to be on in a relationship with you. And then uh, we're going we're gonna to pull that together through a, a program, and we're going to give you some feedback next Sunday. Just kidding. <laughs> we're not going to do that. Just kidding. But what if we could, and what if we did? I think, I think, uh, I know how I feel. I know, I know how I feel, the thought of that. But, you know, we may not want to go there, and we may not want to look at that information, but it doesn't mean the information isn't out there. I may not want to tune in, 
I may not be ready for that. I may need to have a little bit more uh, strong time with God before I go there. But that doesn't mean the information isn't there. What's it like for Renee to be on the other side of me? Uh, you know, a few months ago, Gio and I actually, we, we had it out in our relationship. And we were happy and smiling with each other, but, but we actually gave each other some real-time feedback to this question, what's it like? And it got kind of intense, and we actually needed some help. We had to, we had to bring in some outside help, but we worked through it, and, and now we're buddies and everything. But there was a real time when we just needed to answer that question. And I'm not saying you do this with all your relationships all at once. But there may be one or two that you would do well. We would do well to really just ask the question. What's it like to be on the other side of me? And, and in particular, that relationship's a troublesome. And you really do believe that it's the other person's problem. That your side of the relationship is sunny and warm and hospitable. That's you. That's what you bring. Okay. But just just for humor's sake, press the pause button on that. Put that aside for a moment. And have that listening that God was inviting Cain to do. Only in your case before it's too late. And just ask, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Let's talk for a moment about how to practice emotionally aware communication. And, and this, this will give you a clue. Whether or not you want to ask the question, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Um, this would help you to tune in to, to, get, to get a feel of it by just being a little more aware of the emotions that are operating within you in any given relationship situation. Okay, so the first one is to to see it. See the emotion. Notice what emotion is present and how it is currently affecting the situation. And this takes a little bit of stepping back from ourselves. It's inviting some self-awareness. It's inviting uh, some self-control. That we're actually going to, you know, not be the emotion enough to where we can step back and look and say, what's, what's going on here with me and in me? To, to be able to, to step back and take a look and see it. Right. All right? Next, to own it. Don't disown or deny the emotion. Recognize it as your own, located in your heart and mind. We've got to locate ourselves. Because we're, we're looking at the other person, especially in the tough relationship. We're, it's, it's activated and it's charged. Yeah. And, and we're looking at the other person. But to step back, well, what, what's going on in me? What emotion is in me? And can I own that? Where is it located? Well, it's, it's in me. And then, to say it. And this is huge here. Name the emotion as your own in a responsible, non-blaming way. Hear that. Because you could say it and you just, you know, make matters worse. But if we can identify it, own it as our own, and then we can, we, we can bring it out here and look at it as, as, as what it is, as our emotion. Yeah. So it's not, you made me this. You made me feel this way. That, that's not what we're talking about here. But I'm noticing that I'm afraid right now. Yeah. I'm, I'm feeling afraid here. 
I'm seeing that in me. That's, that's, that's the owning that we're talking about. I'm, I'm realizing right now that I'm angry. This isn't meant to manipulate the other person. I'm angry because you broke my heart again. How could you do that to me? It's, it's not about that. It's about locating ourself. And by just being able to, like God did with Cain. You're angry. He brought it out, the surface, or the underlying emotion to the surface, and he named it. There's anger going on here. And that could have been the power and the beginning of change for Cain. But he wouldn't go there. But what we're saying, we've got a different script that we can write. And we've got a climate change that we can bring about in our relationship. There's SOS for our relationship. See it, own it. And then, again, in a responsible, non-blaming way, say what it is. And there's more, obviously, to the topic than that, but that's a good place for us to start. All right, let's talk just a moment about climate change because we've got the, the polar bear. All right? And, you know, the polar bear is, is designed, amazingly designed to habitate and to live in the extreme climate of the Arctic. Because of how they're made, they thrive out there where the ice is thick and heavy and flowing. Now, the challenge is that there is a lessening of the ice that's in the Arctic. And so you have this situation now for the poor polar bear. Obviously, this is dramatized. But their, their ice fields are diminishing. And, and they, they make their living off of the ice fields, where they eat, where they live, how they hunt. They talked about one, one article I read, this one polar bear swam for nine days across open sea to find another ice field. Uh, that's, that's their situation. But the picture that I want you to get Not that you're the polar bear, because I know we want to identify, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. No, I'm wondering who in your life might feel like that? Who in our world, because the climate has become so inhospitable that we're bringing, that this this is what it's like. It's barely hanging on, not not thriving. So our question then is, What's it like to be on the other side of me? It's going to take some faith. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take a lot of humility. But if we'll go there, just think about the climate change and the transformation that God might want to bring in our lives. Thank you.